Hey, y'all. I just wanted to come to you with a real quick message. I'm super excited because I'm starting a new podcast and it's going to be called Molly, You in Danger, Girl. So we are going to talk about all things horror related. So horror short stories. We're going to give horror movie reviews because not only am I a murderino, I love horror. Who would have thought it? (laughs) Anyway, right now I just am compiling a couple episodes because I want to come out with a few episodes for you so you don't be like, girl, why you come out with one episode? What's that going to do for me? I got y'all. So in the meantime, make sure you follow me on Instagram and it's called Molly You're in Danger Podcast. But it's just the letters M-Y-I-D-G Podcast. One more time. That's M-Y-I-D-G Podcast. So get yourself ready. Get situated because we got some new shit coming and it's finna pop. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Hey y'all and welcome back to In Killing Color. We are now on episode 30 and I am so happy that everybody decided to stick with me through this whole process. 30 whole episodes. I cannot believe it. 30 whole episodes of me talking to myself. Ultimately talking to (laughs) y'all. So for today's episode I decided to do an unsolved one and this is actually a serial killer that's unsolved and it's been quite a while so this episode today is about the freeway phantom now i'm not sure if you've heard about that or anything that he's done but by the end of the episode you'll know exactly about him let's get to it these are their stories It was the early 1970s in Washington, D.C., and there were six young black girls that had been found dead within a year and a half. The oldest was 18 and the youngest was only 10 years old. Now, each one of the girls had gone out on a short errand for their parents. So either they were going to buy some milk, they were going to the bus stop, you know, something random that you would never think that that type of stuff will happen. But none of them ever returned back home. Now, in every one of these cases, the victim's body was found several days later near the I-295 freeway, with the exception of those whose bodies were actually too decomposed to tell for sure. But it was definite that each girl had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death. Some were also stabbed and others were tortured in various different ways. So you can already tell that this is starting out to be like, oh girl, um, I don't know about this. So... It was also noted that every victim was also missing her shoes, except for 18-year-old Brenda Denise Woodard. It was speculated that her shoes were left on because they had embellishments and stuff with her name. So she was, she was a good, she was one of the girls. She had some shoes with some her name on it and stuff. And he apparently he, she, whoever the murderer was, decided that he's not gonna take them because he might have got clocked because it would have gave away who he was. Okay. All right, so now the Freeway Phantom case has seen tons of investigators and it's got lots and lots of interest over these many years. There have been tons of tips and 
calls from the general public by like they had a hotline, you know, like a, a crime hotline. So there was tons of information that was coming on. And that line was operated by the Metro P- Metro PC, <laughs> the Metropolitan Police Department in D.C. And some of them came like written mail, things like that. Now, some of them people believe that the Freeway Phantom himself called in the majority of the tips just to like mislead the police and just basically put like a a halt to the investigation. But, you know, that's never been proven or anything. So we really don't know. Now, some of these leads were not able to be proven. Some of them were viable and the other ones required substantial like investigation after the fact. Now, the investigation that they had was conducted by a law enforcement task that included detectives from the MPDC homicide and sex squads, um, investigators from Prince George's County and Montgomery County, Maryland, and, of course, the FBI. Because once you've been looking for a case for a while and you can't get nothing done, bring the FBI in because they're supposed, supposed to be able to bring all these things together and get the facts that everybody can't get. And there was a reason I kept saying supposed, but we'll get to that later. Now, in the actual divisions of police there, it was a routine fact that once you have a file, you keep the file with the actual detective that was assigned to the case. And now as a result, the freeway phantom case files have been lost alongside all the notes and everything else And anybody else that is on the force at the time that was involved in that case has either retired or they are dead. So basically, this case is an open, cold case, and it has been fully cold since 2018. But if you listen to what I said in the beginning, this case took place in the 70s. Okay. You know, I was about to get on my soapbox, but I'm going to wait to the end to get on my soapbox because I just feel like I'm going to wait to the end. Now, the Freeway Phantom, he targeted female children and teens ranging from ages 12 to 17. He would abduct them, usually while they were, like I said, they were on their way to do an errand or go to and from work or whatever. He would then rape, strangle, and then dump their bodies in a grassy area near the freeway, hence where he got his name from, the Freeway Phantom. Now, he has been described as a loner motivated by rage that he was focused on for society in general. And I do believe that most of that rage went to women. And I do believe that if possible, he may have had a sister that was like a rude bitch to him. So and she was probably in that age range. So maybe that's where all this rage and stuff was coming from this person. Now, these are some notes I got from some investigative reports about a psychological profile of this person whoever he might be they said he might have received some kind of psychiatric treatment to deal with these negative emotions such as depression and anger towards women he could have also complained about how society was wronging him because you know society had to be doing something for you to want to go out here and murder these young girls because you know society 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 chop anyway So along with him thinking that society was against him, at some point they think that he probably tried to contact a person of power by some means, whether it was, at the time it may have been phone call or email, because it wasn't too much back then. You couldn't text, you couldn't do email, you couldn't do any of that. So 
They say that maybe whoever he reached out to refused to listen to him or refused to respond, therefore fueling his anger even further. He most likely lived in the Washington, D.C. area, but he, again, we don't really know. They say he had to have knowledge of the region, especially local stores, because he knew where to take the bodies, where to pick people up from and things like that. They say that he owns a car or a truck, which he would drive in between the locations to find his victims. Now, once he abducted his victims, he is assumed to have taken them to an abandoned house where he proceeded to rape the victims multiple times before killing them. More than likely, he would have been masked because he didn't want the victim to see his face. But if they were going to be unalived anyway, masks probably wouldn't even have made a difference. But I, whatever, I, I ain't a murderer. I don't know nothing about that. So now the multiple different corner reports from the freeway phantoms victims tell us that the victims were brutally raped with penetration up to nine inches deep with both anal and vaginal assaults taking place. Pause now. <laughs> They're saying nine inches deep. Is it like, was he, was it an object? Because if, never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Now, due to the brutality of the crimes, the police suspected that the offender was a psychopath with a deep and misogynistic hatred towards women. He may have had military experience due to the skill displayed during the abductions and the lack of evidence at the crime scenes. Now, the perpetrator might have served in the army during the Vietnam War and may have been responsible for some war crimes such as rape and murder doing these things, which at some point... I'm sure would make perfect sense, I guess. All right, so now we're gonna talk about the very first freeway phantom murder. So around 1971, multiple different serial killers had made headlines in New York and California. But like I said, during that year, Washington DC experienced its first serial murders. So in April of that year, 13 year old Carol Spinks was walking to the local 7-Eleven with $5 in her pocket. And she was going there because her older sister sent her to the store to buy some TV dinners so they can have something to eat. Okay. So Carol got to the store, got the purchases, and walked back home. But there was a four-block walk back to her house, and she never made it back. Now, the police found her body six days later, and as we've mentioned several times before, she had been sexually assaulted and strangled, strangled, strangled. And they believed that the killer had kept the girl alive for several days before murdering her. Now, Carol had a identical twin named Carolyn. And during an interview with her, they said that she recalled her the days after her sister's murder. She said it was terrible. I just couldn't get it together. I thought I was losing my mind. And it was just weird because I know when it comes to like twins and stuff, they have like a connection that a lot of people don't have. So is it like, did she think and feel something was happening to her sister when something was actually happened? That was, that would be definitely something that I would be interested in knowing because did she have a feeling in the pit of her stomach? Like, Hey, something's not right. Or sometimes twins can feel pain when the other, so did she feel any pain? I don't know. I don't know if that's questions they asked back then, but that would be something I would for sure ask right now. Now, and once um, news from Carol's death came out, 
little did everybody know that that was just the first in a series of murders. So like two months later, police got a call about a second body in the exact same spot, which was an embankment next to the 295 freeway. Now, the third victim's body appeared just nine days after the second one. And then that's when they named him the Freeway Phantom Killer. And he just basically was like, yeah, y'all can't, y'all ain't fucking with me. Like, bam. So guess what he did with his next victim? Well, this one, the third one. He made her call her parents. And he said for her to say, do you see me? And they're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And she was like, oh, I don't know. I'll see y'all later. The girl hung up the phone and then they never saw her again. That is some ridiculous shit to make a girl, a young girl, call her parents, her family, ask them, can they see her? They say, what are you talking about? She says, oh, never mind. And then a few days later, she's dead. Now, Brenda Faye Crockett was just 10 years old when she went missing. So in July of 1971, her mom sent her to the grocery store because, you know, like I said, back then, like you could go, your mom would be like, girl, go to the store and get me a pack of Newports and some bread. Go ahead now. Okay. That's, that's, that's what people do. Her mom sent her to the store for bread and dog food, but Brenda never came home. So about an hour later, the phone rang at the house and Brenda's mom left to go look for her daughter. So at the time, Brenda's seven-year-old sister answered the phone and she, this person also said that she was in Virginia and that a white man had snatched her up. But Brenda said that her kidnapper had called a taxi to send her home. Okay. So, and half an hour later, Brenda called back again and she said, did my mom see me? And then after that, she said, well, I'll see you. And then the next day they found Brenda's body on the side of the highway and then at that point more murders followed more and more and more and more so in october of 1971 12 year old nimashia yates disappeared on their way home from going to the grocery store two hours after that they found her body in the same spot on the side of the road and it was still warm now at this point there's four young girls that are dead and the DC police are finally admitting that, hey, this is a serial killer. I don't know why it takes four people to be dead for you to be like, I, yeah, it's a serial killer. When it's two and it's in the same spot, yes, it's something going on. We're going to go ahead and admit that. But they want to keep it under wraps, not to make people scared. Fuck that. Make us scared so we keep our children in the house. Like, it's pretty simple, but y'all want to pass five, girl, never mind. So, six weeks later, the fifth victim went missing. She was on her way home from school, and this was 18-year-old Brenda Woodard. The police found her body the next morning, and they discovered a clue that would leave them like, what the fuck? The killer had left a note in her pocket, and this is what the note said. This is tantamount to my insensitivity to people, especially to women. I will admit the others when you catch me, if you can. And the note was signed, the freeway phantom. It's the audacity for me. It's the 
catch me if you can, motherfucker, because you can't. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't wrong, because, but it's the audacity. It's the, girl, it's, it's, it's a lot. Now, what supposedly they're saying is that the killer had actually dictated the note to Brenda before he strangled her because the note was written in her handwriting, which was also a whole other fucking <laughs> like you make me write a note to my people in the news before you unalive me child just take me out take me out i, I, don't, I don't feel like doing all this i'm not writing a note i'm not doing any of this shit i'm not doing it knock me off i'm gone i don't want to do it so after she died the freeway phantom seemed to just basically vanish and there was months and months and months without another murder until 10 months later when the police found the body of 17-year-old Diane Williams on the side of the freeway in the same exact spot. But now, Freeway Phantom done got cocky. He literally calls her parents and told them, I killed your daughter. Click. This motherfucker is out of pocket. Not you calling the family saying, I killed your daughter. If we had the technology that we had now, baby, you would have been clocked and caught within two days. Especially with a phone call. A phone. Whew. So at this point, the local police were literally at like a dead end. So that's when the FBI came over and took over the case in 1974. So after doing a bunch of research and all this stuff, they decided to settle, quote, quote, settle on a suspect. And his name was Robert Askins. And he had already served time in prison for killing a sex worker before this. A warrant, a warrant, a warrant turned up suspicions items in his house, including like multiple photos of girls and stuff like that. And a knife that was tied to a completely different crime. So he was just giving criminal all the way around. So either way, if he didn't do it, baby, you need to go back to jail because you are not living an appropriate life outside of those walls. Okay. But. Unfortunately, none of that evidence leaked him to the six victims of the freeway phantom. A jury definitely eventually set him to prison for life after he kidnapped and raped two other women. So he deserved, he deserved to be exactly what the fuck he is, was, is, period. Now they had another theory and they said that it pointed to a gang around the area called the Green Vega Gang. And it was a group of five men who kidnapped and raped women around that same time. But again, there was no evidence to them and the case. So this is where we are. It is 2023. And that case still has gone unsolved. Still now. As the years pass, the freeway phantom investigation, like I said, has remained open. In 2009, the police, the DC police department admits that they had lost the case file, all the evidence and all the possible DNA from the freeway phantom was gone. And then a detective named Jim Tramium, I don't know. But this motherfucker literally says, maybe it's over there in some box and we haven't stumbled across it. Who knows? So this is where I'm going to insert my rant in regards to this. 
It has been 52 years since the very first murder. And there is no information. The fact that they are so carelessly saying, maybe it's in a box over there and we ain't found it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows is the family of these six who know there could be more girls who don't know who unalive their daughters. 10, 17, 15, 18, 16 dead. But all y'all got to say is who knows who fucking knows. And I'm going to say it. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. If it was six non-black children it wouldn't be a who knows it would be oh we're gonna exhume the bodies we're gonna remove we're gonna do dna we're gonna do these things we're gonna get all this shit we're gonna run it through this motherfucking system and we gonna get these motherfucker but with the black girls is who knows ah we haven't stumbled across it i don't know at this point there is a $150,000 reward for information on this case. And I'm 100% sure by now that whoever this man was is long gone. Because at that point, he was probably in his 20s or 30s. 50, girl, he gone. But that don't mean the family still don't need justice. I'm sure there's more things we could do. And I think that somebody needs to pull up, put this in a cold case, something and figure it out. At least for one, just do one. And if you get one, you can figure out all the rest of them. This is why the main reason why I started this podcast, because coverage of these things are not fair. I'm not about to go back down the list of all the people that give coverage when we don't, because I'm not doing it. But what I do know is this is not fair. Freeway Phantom. I watch way too many crime stories and I watch way too much SVU and stuff to not know that at some point a body could have been exhumed. At some point, DNA could have been ran on the girl and in her body. There would have been things. It could have been put in a system and they could have been ran. And something could have been found out. But, you know, the evidence and case files somewhere in a box. Who knows? That's the bullshit I be talking about. Anyway, I'm done with this episode. I came across this and I just thought that this was something that I would like to talk about and give my two cents for whoever wants to hear it on. Meet me over on my social media so we can talk about these things. Also, make sure you subscribe to exclusive content either on Apple Music or on my network Dystopia because it is available. It's cheap and it's available. You can get new episodes because pretty soon these episodes will have ads in them. So you better get used to it. Otherwise, you can subscribe and then you won't have to hear the ads. <laughs> That's pretty simple. <laughs> anyway. Thank y'all for listening. I'll talk to y'all next time. Bye.